What's up, guys? This is Miss Certified Wrench coming to you before our showgram today with a little public service announcement. If any of y'all are looking for a job, a job that has great benefits, great hours, competitive pay, and a truck that you get to take home, please reach out to Colton or Mr. Certified Wrench either on his personal social media pages or the Certified Wrench page as he has a job position for a mechanic that he is looking to get filled. Again, if you are looking and would love to come and live in the great state of Texas, please reach out to Colton on either his personal or his business page. Now, I got a new plan. Head due north in the van. Let's go to Canada. 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 Buddy, the only thing ladies love is when you quit talking. What'd you say? You heard me. Buddy, you're softer than a Tootsie Roll fruit cup. You look like the skunk my dog killed and probably raped. Get your board shorts out of here, you fucking pansy. Take your tank top and your Tonka truck and kick rocks. I'm from the great white north, right? Like up above the state? Yeah. The big landmass that the rest of the world hates? Fuck yeah. We're like above that. Fucking north, I guess. The big patch of trees where everybody's bored to death. We're just chilling up here, sipping syrup, playing hockey. Before we learn to walk, we can cross-check properly. Just rocking plaid jackets, chainsaws, we operate them right. Fucking A, right we do, bud. Oh, hey there. You having some car troubles, eh? Yeah, we're trying to get to the North Pole. I don't suppose you're from AAA, are you? Ooh. Triple A, you know? A-A-A. Oh, A-A-A. Hey, I just came from A-A. No, not A-A, A-A-A. Yeah, that's what I said. A-A-A. Oh, so you are with Triple A. Oh, no, that's A-A-A. I just came from A-A-A. Huh? Stewie, I think he's just a drunk. Well, drunk or not, can you help us? I can if you want to join A-A-A. No, I'm already a member of A-A-A. I need help with the car. Oh, I see. Yeah, looks like you got some water leakage. You might need a hose, eh? Jose, Roberto, whatever. If you got some Latinos up here that can fix cars, that'd be great. What's up, guys? Welcome back. I'm Colton McCormack, and this is the Certified Wrench Podcast. Take two. Son of a bitch. We just got about ten minutes into this podcast, and I realized that our guest wasn't even recording. Fucking rookie mistake on my side. This is what happens when you take a break and you get off your game. Yes. (laughs) As you can see, I am joined by my wife... What's up, y'all? The one that's supposed to keep me together on this thing. You understand that I have no idea how to work and operate this thing. I just paid for it. Why don't you... Fuck you! <laughs> Take a picture so you can show everybody on Instagram my setup. Um, and I am joined... Oh, actually, let's say, let's take... Reverse. We are going north to the Great White North. Is that what it's called? Yes. <laughs> and we are joined by Jason Boyce. Like the gender. Like the gender. <laughs> Plural. <laughs> He's up in uh, Vancouver area-ish. 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 Man, this intro is not as good as the other one. 
We were talking about big wieners. We were talking about big wieners and trophy husband. And, and like I said, I can't believe we're rolling our April 1st ad hmm. out early. Fuck. Anyway, Jason, let's talk about you again. <laughs> where are you from? Where did you start? And where are you at today? Fuck. Well, as I said before, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Spark notes version. I, I don't know. I was a typical kid in high school. I like skateboarding, snowboarding, like things like that. It's a pretty mountainous area here. I never really had an interest in mechanics at all. I didn't even really get my full driver's license until I was about 17. And then eventually bought a car and figured I was going to do shit cheap on it. And kind of put that deal by the wayside because I ended up, I hurt my knee really bad while I was working in a warehouse, just doing nothing with my life basically. And I'm not really sure what I wanted to do. I knew I didn't want to continue on in university is the only firm choice I knew. And a couple of buddies, well, oh, you should just go to Northern Alberta. There's tons of work out there. You can do whatever you want. And another guy's like, yeah, you go work on a rig. You'll make huge money, huge money. Yeah. Okay. Why not? So I went up there with the intention of, Going to Mexico in the spring or Costa Rica or something like that and buying a dirt bike. And I was going <laughs> to, that was our plan moving forward at life. And ended up over there. I was working with this guy putting up siding. And I was like, why do you guys even do this job? This is shit. This is 15 bucks an hour and minus 40. Why are we doing this? And this guy says, yeah, you could go get a job on a rig. That's way better. And they're all kind of laughing or whatever. And I was like, hmm, I don't know. I'd rather do that than this. And I ended up working for Halliburton. Dick Cheney's evil company. <laughs> so they say, and they paid for me to get my CDL or my class one, as we say up here in the great white North, <laughs> they divide the license system up by classes. Yeah. It's the same here, but we don't call it class one. They used to, but it's a uh, just class a or class B now. And then class C. Yeah. Whatever else. There's M for motorcycle, right? Ooh, Yes. Yeah, they call that a class eight here. So they got me in my class one and they let me drive a pumper truck all over Alberta. And we were fracking wells and I was just a young hyper kid. Like I didn't really care one way or another what we were doing. I was happy to go on an adventure. I was happy to not work. Didn't matter to me. I was making not that great of money. Like it was good, but not that good. It was just something to do. And then we ended up in this rig town one night. We were at the bar and we were drinking. And for some reason, somebody had it in my idea that I should play hopscotch on these cars on the way back towards the hotel <laughs> for work in the morning. And two days later, this is a job that should have been pumped in one day. We should have been gone and I shouldn't have been back for like 30 days, but the job went sideways. So we had to go back to the hotel and book another night in the whole nine yards. And I'm laying there like all hung over after working all day. And I was like, oh, wow. And sure enough, I get a knock on my door and it's like, yeah, we need to talk to you downstairs. And they had me on video on it, so I was not charged because video? of my young age. Hey? Did you get a copy of that video? No. Oh. No, and I didn't ask for one because there was never any charges pressed. The guy that owned the dealer was basically like, you're a fucking retard kid. I should <laughs> charge you. I still might charge you. I've got two years to the day to decide if I'm going to. And when that day came, trust me, I was 
wait until the end of it. I was like, oh, oh yes. <laughs> I would have walked in after like the day of year two and I would have said, hey, question, how do I get a copy of that? Because I mean, I feel like that would just be purely comical That's... for any interactions you have here. Let me show you this video. <laughs> I, I don't really want to speak about it after i was really ashamed of getting fired i was like this is horrible like i actually don't even tell that story to too many people i don't care now because it just happened to be set on the interwebs but <laughs> it was pretty funny but it was a blessing in disguise too because then it sent me i applied at a bunch of drilling companies and they were like oh yeah i, I was living in red deer which is an hour and a half south of or two hours south of edmonton and you had to go up there and do these day classes to see if you were worthy enough and then they would wait and call you so I went up there and did a couple of them for a couple of companies. And then this one company ended up phoning me back like right away. Like it seemed like it went from zero to 60 as soon as the ground froze. They just couldn't hire enough bodies. Hmm. And I ended up on this guy's rig. He was a push. He was from Saskatchewan. That's the flat part of Canada. He'd been rigging since he was like 17 and he was in his 50s. That's all he'd ever done his whole life. And he's good. It was a good crew. Ended up working the floor for like two and a half years, which is like the lowest job. But we worked all the time through rain or shine. Like there was ruts bigger than my head sometimes when we were moving the rig and just went through it. And then eventually the company moved him on to build a newer triple rig. I was working on a double. They sent him to build a new triple. He took a couple guys with him to work in the yard and the couple guys were left working for the guy. He left to replace him and... I decided I didn't really want to keep working for him. So I took a couple months off and then the other guy phoned me because he couldn't find anyone. And I went out to his rig as a derrick hand. So I was like the number two job on the crew. And I was the guy that went way up the tower when you pull it all the pipe and you pull it back or throw it in the elevators. You guys know you're from Texas, damn it. Yeah. I'm going to plead the fifth on this one. <laughs> I've never, never roughnecked it, but I've been around enough oil rigs to know what you're talking about. I was going to say, I, I have sat in the office, um, so I've not physically seen a lot of it. I've only just seen what people share on like TikTok or um, Instagram stories or reels. And I will, uh, I will say it does not look like a job I'm very interested in applying for anytime soon. I don't care how much money it pays. Uh, I, I did learn during the time that we had that like oil boom out in West Texas when we first started here. I did learn that I could at least go flip hamburgers for $18 an hour at McDonald's. 22. <laughs> oh, sorry. $22 an hour. Jesus. That's, that was the same up there, basically. Like they just couldn't find people. This was the early oil boom though, before the 2008 recession. So you got to factor that into mm -hmm. this one was, I feel like it was the last big one where safety was still chucked out the window and production was the only thing that mattered. I, I, I can see how I think, I think a lot of companies, uh, learned and reevaluated after 2008, how they do things. I don't think we will ever, I truly don't think we're ever going to see companies operate in the way they did during that big boom and then just gut themselves from the inside out. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was that was a totally different time. And even just like talking to kids nowadays, they have no idea. Oh, like, no idea. Absolutely. N not a single idea at all, like what that was like. Oh, sure. I, I remember know. just getting yelled at, getting in fights. You take a fight, you'd go over the lease or over the berm, sorry. 
off the lease technically by like maybe 10 steps and you're allowed to scrap her out, but you are not allowed to scrap her out on location. That was forbidden. Fun, fun, funny story actually about that. That kind of makes me laugh. So remember our agriculture dealership that we worked at back in California? Sure. Okay. So at one point in time when I was the service writer there, there were two technicians that weren't happy with one another. And we walked them out the gate of the facility across the highway to the rice paddy and we let them duke it out after four o'clock. Well, do you remember when I left and went to the case dealer for like a month? A month. And I came back. And I came back and. Our boss at the time pulled us out, or pulled the one guy out of the service truck, put me in it, pissed him off, and he talked all kinds of shit about me. I said, "Hey, man, we can go outside the gate and handle this if you want." He never did. <laughs> Pussy. <laughs> it's a different world. I even went to one of these motherfuckers' house, tried to kick his ass. He wouldn't <laughs> fight me. Did you? Oh, never mind. Yeah. Okay. Long story. <laughs> anyway, let's get back to you, man. Let's. Uh, we're getting Side way bar. sidetracked here. <laughs> Yeah, so I was doing that, and then I think it was the winter of 2008. I just I got in a bad truck accident. It was super icy on the way home, and my dad, when I'd first started up there, he was getting all my pay stubs, and I was just not going to change my address because I didn't care. I'd literally get work in camp or work in like living in a hotel for two weeks, get back, throw my shit in his garage, basically go party for four or five days, have a shower at his place, and then leave for work again. <laughs> You know, the good life. I was burning free diesel, driving all over Hell's Half Acre. I had no problems. And then Hell's he saw my acre. pay stubs. Yeah. This is this is my dad's crowning moment in my life. He saw my pay stubs. And he's like, you idiot, what are you going to do with all this? And that's where I was, well, I'm going to buy a dirt bike and probably go to Mexico in the spring. And he's like, no, like, what are you going to do with all this? How much money do you have in the bank right now? I'm like, oh, I've pretty much saved all of it. And he's like, go out and buy a house right now. Like, <laughs> right now. <laughs> And this is probably 2004, I want to say, 2003. I bought the house when I was 19, and I took possession when I turned 20, and my birthday is in late November. And then it was just a frat house, but that's another story anyway. That's <laughs> not really career-wise. That was just a frat house for probably five, six years. So I went on with my career rigging, working on some pretty nice rigs. Like I didn't actually work with spinning chain or anything like that until later in my career. Everything was very technological there was top drives and everything was diesel electric and we had an iron roughneck for a while but my push got rid of it because he's like no you guys get cold standing out there and it's way slower and the company wants us to go faster okay whatever (laughs) did that for a while and then i got in a car accident so i was off for like five six months just getting better maybe it was the summer maybe that worked out maybe everything was okay (laughs) and then in the fall is like when the recession happened and I phoned up the company anyway and they're like, oh yeah, we got one spot for you on this rig. It's out by Fox Creek. And that's a total, total fucking shithole. Total. (laughs) Everybody calls it Fox Vegas. It's literally like three truck stops and a slum. I don't know. I feel bad saying that, but it's a horrible, horrible place. It sounds like West Texas. This rig was there. Sorry? Sounds like West Texas. Yeah, I was going to say, well, there's nothing... There's nothing to West Texas unless there's oil coming out of the ground. If not, it's a very depressing, <laughs> sad, <laughs> don't stop. Be. It's funny, though, because Canadians, like especially if you worked around the patch, have such a romanticized version of West Texas. It's hilarious. Like It's ugly. It is not. There's nothing to be romanticized about at all, which 
I feel like that's kind of the polar opposites of us. I mean, whenever I think of Canada, I think of like be- big, beautiful trees, just like lush forests, with snow on the top, and snow and <laughs> bears and maple syrup. And I mean, don't don't judge me, but I mean, like when I think of Canada, like I think it's absolutely gorgeous. And then I hear like people talking about Canada. I'm like, oh, wait a second. You mean it's just like here? <laughs> well alberta is the texas of canada like there's no two ways about it they're <laughs> staunchly republican or donald trump voters like they they have no time for the government whatsoever and i don't really blame them personally like there's a lot of overregulation here so i think that's where the romanticizing comes into is like you could just go to texas invest a million dollars go punch an oil well you're gonna be rich for the rest of your life and nobody can stop you is that meant we think of it that way? I'm sure it's not that way, but oh no, there's these uh, fun things called mineral rights in the state of Texas, yeah. and that's like a whole nother ball game. I mean, yeah, it's nothing like that. Like, I mean, we got lucky. So our house where we live at, the mineral rights were signed over when we bought our house. But there are some places where you go to buy your house and you can buy the land and buy the house. You can own everything on top of it. You don't own shit under that ground because that person will own the mineral rights. So if they decide that, hey, guess what? You have oil under it. I want it. They'll just come sit there and just put a freaking drill rig down. And that's great. You could live right next to it, but I own the shit under the ground. I have no idea. It's kind of like that here too, but like you can, it's impossible to find mineral rights at all. Hmm. Like big companies own them all or like certain people have a small little claim and then there's only so much you can do with it. My mom lives four or five hours north of here in gold country. They call it, there's a lot of gold up there and they have a little claim on a river and they're allowed to basically run sand and water through a screen and see what they get and put it all back. And that's about it. But either way, put it all back. Wink, wink. Yeah, Re- <laughs> reclaim, reclaim the land. <laughs> right on. Yeah, so I got in a bad truck accident just coming back from work one time, like because I lived about ten hours away from where we were working. Just hit black ice and ended up in the ditch. It was all tons of snow. It was really soft. I wrote the truck off, so I was like, mm, I'm not really sure if this is what I want to do. And then I ended up back in Fox Creek. That's where I was. I ended up back in Fox Creek <laughs> working on this old shitty rig with chain and shit flying everywhere and real sketchy characters it was pretty fun and i was only supposed to go for a week to fill in for a guy i ended up staying for three weeks and then they wanted me to stay on and be the driller for the third crew and i was like absolutely not no way like i will not do this so i ended up back in kamloops where i'm from floated around for a little bit i had my class one so i was running a crane truck and delivering like concrete structures and i was making like no money at all but i wasn't really sure what i wanted to do and then I ended up getting a seasonal job driving snow plows and like plowing the roads, all the high mountain passes. That was pretty funny. Wait. I had a carload of international students once. Wait, what'd you say about plows? Mr. Plow? That name again? You ready? Plow? That's what she said. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, sorry. Immature. No, I like it. And this is during the recession, you said? This is like 2009 and 10. So you were still so able like, to find a job? With a CDL. I always thought it was going to be my like rigging background that would find me a job. And every time I told somebody I did that for work, they're like, yeah, no, we don't need you. See you later. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, 
had no bearing and no help towards the future whatsoever. But I, I just happened to have a class one. I turned 18 in 2007, so I was an adult right when everything fucking was coming down. So it, I, I feel it. I feel it. The things you thought would always be there to take care of you ended up not being there to take care of you. Though, I mean, it really truly shows you when something like that happens, how critical certain industries are because they ain't going to stop. Yeah, I had a job. I think I talked about it before, but I think is Grant. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and name drop, but uh, Granite Construction. Are there? There are they nationwide? Or are they only in the United States? Global. I don't know. Anyway, hold on. Uh, she's gonna Google. She's the Googler. Oh, I had fact a, checker. My my basically it was my brother growing up. He was my best friend, and uh, his dad was like the vice president of Granite Construction, and. He always was like, "Yeah, whenever you're ready, you know, fill out an application. I'll get you on." And went in for an interview. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna start you this day. And of course, this is all during the recession. And well, we can't get you started this month, but next month for sure. You know, next month rolls around. Nothing like oh, yeah, I, I gotta work. Song and dance. So, yeah, I gotta work. So sorry, I'm have to pass it up. I I still always wonder like what would have happened. Well, I know they're not based in California because I know we had a couple of pieces of iron rolling around in Louisville for a point in time they're, for granted. They're nationwide at least, but yeah, their main is in California. Yeah. Uh, Watsonville, I think. Uh, it doesn't matter. Anyway, I'm sorry, man. We just keep getting sidetracked. So it started we're... in the 1800s. Oh, that's all so. good. I love a good tangent. <laughs> You're right, Watsonville, 1800s. Watsonville. Um Snow plows. Where'd you go from snow plows yeah. again? I got an apprenticeship at that place after two years of driving the plow. I made a lot of noise. And this is 2010. I started making a lot of noise. And like, you guys need to do something with me or I'm leaving. Like, this is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. And a lot of people are telling me, they're like, oh, that's a good government job. You should just hang with it. Like, don't worry about it. Just you're going to have a good pension, blah, blah, blah. And like, it wasn't for me. And the boss like the general manager of the company, he actually used to highways in my province was government until 1990. And so he was in charge of training all the apprentices through that time. And then when they went private, he ended up the general manager of this area's company. Hmm. And so he believed in apprenticeships like a hundred percent. And he like said, like, you got a lot of balls coming up here and basically throwing the gauntlet down. He's like, I like that. And he's like, <laughs> we'll get you an apprenticeship. He's like, but I can only pay you 17 bucks an hour. And I was like living with a lady. We were talking about things are going to get serious pretty quick. I was like, okay. So I applied for the job and it's through the union. So I got it because nobody would obviously take the pay cut. I started in April and like a week before we started, that was game over. And it was all, he's like, he actually pulled me aside and he's like, how are you going to be able to pay for your house and everything making $17 an hour? And I was like, well, I'm probably going to have to go into debt, but it'll be worth it. And he said, nope, we're going to keep paying you machine operators rate. So he kept paying me 30 bucks an hour while I was in my first year. Fuck. Okay. Yeah. That's good. It was pretty good, but yeah, he saved my bacon hard. And (laughs) I kind of, I kind of looked at horse, uh, looked at gift horse in the mouth with him. Cause when he got rid of me, cause the owner's grandson decided he wanted to do his apprenticeship. And we both happened to be in trade school at the time. And he was like fresh out of high school, 18 going straight in. I'm going to be a heavy duty mechanic. That's it. Blah, blah, blah. And we were in the same class and 
I was talking about like, yeah, fuck. As soon as I get my ticket, I'm going back up to Fort McMurray. Like those guys are making 60 to 80 bucks an hour. Like it's going to be good. Blah, blah, blah. Well, he went back and told the general manager that as soon as I got my levels one and two, then I would be out of there. So they kind of like headed me off and they're like, you know what? All you're ever going to learn here anyway is doing breaks and snow plows and changing over sander bodies and just basically grunt work, changing pins here and there. Like you need to get out and see some stuff. And I'm like, yeah, you guys are right. That's, that's perfect. <laughs> so they gave me a bunch of hours towards the trade and sent me on my way and things are picking up back then. So I had a job at the Kenworth dealer here, which is like the Kenworth dealer for most of Western Canada and the Western U S it's inland Kenworth. I don't know if you ever heard of them. And that lasted all of eight months. Cause me and the manager there just butted heads hard and, he was really looked down upon me because I was a fleet guy. And I was okay, whatever. I ended up getting a job at the international dealer and that's where I went the rest of my apprenticeship and my apprenticeship was four years. <laughs> and that guy was awesome. Like I fucked up a few times. He called me in his office. He's like, you're not in shit. I just need to let you know. And then he'd be like, yeah, I don't really say anything because you guys tend to beat yourselves up bad enough as it is. And he's like, don't worry about it. He's like, if it becomes a pattern, then we're going to talk about it again. But <laughs> he's like, you're good. <laughs> he was really good like that and like right before i went to take my red seal exam for commercial transport he phoned me and he's like i just want you to know that if you do fail sometimes guys fail he's like you still have a job you're still going to get that pay raise he's like you'll study and you'll take it again and you're going to pass it don't worry about it that's sick you know that was pretty fucking awesome thing to do i thought yeah took all the stress off me when i was writing that exam and ended up passing it and I think I worked for him for another year and a bit. And I made a lot of noise about wanting to get into engines. And this is all truck and transport work. This was no heavy duty of any sort yet. This was just truck and transport work. And I wanted to get into doing in-frames and whatever. And my direct supervisor, he'd tell me, oh, no, you don't. No, you don't. Your back will hurt. You don't want, you don't want anything to do with that. And I was just doing uh, MVIs, like motor vehicle inspections because we every six months a truck has to have one here and then every year once a year the trailer has to have one and it was just basically all safety components and pretty boring yep. and so i ended up i applied for a job with cummins back in alberta when it kind of started warming up and went through all these assessments and everything and a bunch of psychological tests which i may or may not have cheated on <laughs> Hey, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. That's what I always said. I ended up, I got a really, really smart guy to help me that had like 40 years in the trade and like knew how all these tests work. And the recruiter phones me back and he's like, do you realize you scored in the top 99% of 300,000 people who've ever taken this test? And I was like, <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. I mean, yes, of course I did. Color me shocked. <laughs> But so they wanted to hire me, but they eliminated that field service job because they lost the contract at whatever mine, the mine was shutting down. So I had two options. I could either jump in a truck right away by myself, cover this complete territory. And I didn't really know fuck all about fuck all try and drum up my own business and see how it goes. And I was like, mm, no, that's okay. I was, took the other option, which is their head office is in Vancouver for Western Canada. And they had a like, 16 bay truck shop there and they did all warranty work all the time so that was good because i learned how all the processes worked i learned a lot i never got really much for formal training i went a few places here and there and 
surprise, surprise, butted heads with management really bad. What? Again. Who does that? Well, <laughs> I got a habit of saying exactly what I'm thinking, exactly when I'm thinking it, and I don't really care. I don't know anybody like that as I'm pointing to myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it was a, it was a different life down there. Like there was guys that were like 30 still living with their parents, saving up for a down payment. Like real estate was hugely expensive. Like I was just renting a place and then my house in Kamloops was rented out. So it was basically covering it like one hand washed the other actually made money on the other house. Yeah. And I eventually, I think it was three and a half years in, they said they were building a shop back in Kamloops and you can apply for it when it comes up. So I applied for it and they go, Oh, well, you don't have any heavy duty experience. I'm sorry. And I'm like, well, according to our union agreement, I'm still, still supposed to get first crack at it. I'm like, yeah, no, sorry. And I was like, okay. So, and I got obsessed with the idea of challenging my heavy duty and up here, you can challenge a trade. If you can verify that you have, it's like, 9,600 hours of experience doing it. And then you can verify that with the industry training authority, which is the overseer of certifications for the government. And then you got six attempts at writing the exam and the exam was 175 or 150 questions, multiple choice of just like diagnostics and troubleshooting on different areas of whatever, like it'll be hydraulics, safety and rollover protection, just also different things. And I wrote that I failed it the first time, 66%. And I didn't study or anything. I just kind of jumped into it. And then the second time I studied and I got 76%. And so I went back into my boss and I'm like, well, here, now I've got it. So next job comes up is mine. And right away they pulled the next job that they had listed. And they just said, no, we've eliminated the position. And then I found out through a buddy that they had hired some other local guy in town that they wanted instead. And that was the beginning of the end, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I became the shop steward. And like, I'm not a super pro union guy by any measure, but it's pretty heavy union country up here. Mm -hmm. So I became the shop steward just so I could have goes with these guys all the time. Cause I had another shop steward before he was my age and he just loved all the shit that I would cause. He called me haywire. And like, I got in so much trouble with a lot of stupid things. I got a, a harassment put on me the one time and that was pretty funny. We had an apprentice there and he figured cause he'd been there four years, even though he didn't have his, uh, or he was only getting his diesel engine ticket that he was somebody and he just talked down to you or whatever. And about eight months in, I had enough and I just started putting him in his place hard. Like I was not very nice to him at all, but that's another story for another time. There was a few letters involved in that one. And Jesus. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it happens, right? <laughs> so, uh, what happened? Well, Where'd you go? Work wise, everybody kept telling me, like, go down to the docks, go down to the docks, go work for the Longshore Union. And being from the Bay Area, I assume that you've heard about that union and how it operates. No, I'm not. How far away from San I'm, Francisco were you? Uh, two and a half, three hours. Right. Somewhere okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it'd be the same as I am now, basically. We were well, from Sacramento, so um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a little bit inland. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the same union all up and down the west coast, from San Diego to Anchorage, Alaska, right through Canada. Same union, very powerful. 
and they have this fucked up system where you start off, you got no seniority and they have seniority boards. You start off in low seniority and you got to go to the hall every day and try for work. And most of the time you won't get it. But if you have a trade or something, then you go on what they call the trades board and they dispatch you first according to your trade. And then when you get to the company, because there's eight different sites you could end up at. If you got to the site and they wanted to keep you for the rest of the week, they were allowed to keep you for the rest of the week on day shift. And if you wanted to work afternoon shifts, then you had to go to the hall every time. And everybody wanted to work afternoons because it was like 10 to 15 bucks an hour more. Hmm. And then more guys wanted to work graveyards, which was like from one to seven in the morning, because that was like another 10 to 15 bucks an hour more. Jeez. But it was all based on seniority. Yeah. That's wild. So I just tossed my hat in the ring and it, just, it was awesome. Like you had, didn't have to tell anybody why you weren't going to be at work the next day. You literally had to phone the union hall and say, this is man number such and such. I need a replacement okay you're replaced and then they just dispatch a new job the next day that's crazy it's so like yeah you just you could leave like on a thursday afternoon and as long as the foreman let you go or whatever it was fine you could leave didn't have to be back the next morning you'd do whatever you wanted like that was the first real time i took any holidays <laughs> i was always working long weekends and things like that and hmm. it was really good but the work was sporadic at first like i think i made maybe 70k but I met a lot of guys, well, okay, a few guys that were dual ticket, heavy duty, and mill rate there. And they divided it up. There was two container terminals where they just shipped containers back and forth off ships and onto trucks or whatever. And then they had a bunch of bulk terminals, which is like bulk commodities, like what you mine. So there was one big coal terminal. There was uh, another terminal that they shipped out concentrates to China. And so they had like concentrated lead, zinc, things like that like all hazardous stuff so nobody ever wanted to go there and you could elect to not go there if you had facial hair because you couldn't properly mask up then hmm. and but there was lots of millwright work there and millwrights are making all this money and this and that so i challenged my millwright ticket which <laughs> everything's nuts and bolts but those boys have a lot going on like there's some pretty big shit like there's a <laughs> lot of rigging and hoisting involved moving like multi-ton machinery like gearboxes and things like that hmm. and the only leg up i had really is that, that for some reason 30 years ago 40 years ago the union had decided that only heavy duty mechanics could work on those ship to shore cranes like those gantry cranes that lift the containers off the boats mm-hmm. and they're all electrically driven i guess a total mill rates domain they all have cables that you got to change out every once in a while either through damage or hours on them and just a lot of brute force work so there was a bit of a background in that. But other than that, I magically found 10,000 hours, which is a different story from when we're not on the air. <laughs> magically found the 10,000 hours and challenged it. And I failed that the first five times. I had six times to write it. And it took me two and a half years. And I ended up, I took two refresher courses, which are like six-week courses at night, like two nights a week. And they teach you all the math and stuff involved in it. I ended up getting a math tutor to help me because I had to learn like algebra or not algebra, sorry, trigonometry, like angles and forces and things like that. No, no, no. We just tried to figure out seventh grade math the other night and Colton and I quickly realized how long it's been since we've both been in school. And I also had to proceed to ask him, why the hell do you allow me to be in charge of the house finances? (laughs) I was fucked up, man, trying to figure this shit out. (laughs) seventh grade math (laughs) oh we were doing like i guess you would call it like 
advanced high school math i don't know because i literally never really participated in math after grade nine i just kind of like took the easiest version to get out of it Mm -hmm. but here i was like interested so i had to learn it and it was like circumferences volumes like rpms basically trying to become an engineer that was basically it because i yeah i talked with a mechanical engineer buddy after and he was like you learned all that and i was like oh yeah and he's like yeah that's shit i have to learn too and i was like (laughs) wasn't fucking easy man congrats so I got that and I ended up working there for like a year and a half and it was great. I had my pick of the shift. Like I could work straight graveyards if I wanted to or whatever. It was really good. But halfway through my last attempt, I jump around all the time when I'm telling stories. I remember an event that I was supposed to tie in before <laughs> I'm going to get talking. Halfway through my last attempt, my uh, wife now, but girlfriend at the time, we'd been dating for three months and she happened to be pregnant. And I was just like, oh, shit, what am I doing? Like, I was still living the same as when I was 24. Like, I did whatever I wanted. I didn't really, I had my house and that was it. I didn't really care about shit. (laughs) And, yeah, we ended up, got through that course. But, like, I really just buckled down at the end of it. And, like, that's all I did with, like, five, six nights a week was just study, study, study. I ended up getting that and ended up working as a millerite and then, we ended up renting a two bedroom apartment in Vancouver for like 2,500 bucks. Like we could have lived further out, but the more, the further out I lived from work, the harder it was to actually want to go to work. And it's not like anybody was going to punish me if I didn't show up to work. So you have to want to be there type of thing. And yeah, it was just really, really expensive. And, there started to be, it started to be really political that I had done that down there. Like the union leaders didn't like that. And their biggest saying is always, it's a labor union. It's a labor union. Like they didn't like the trades as it was anyway, because we were always working because everybody's shorthanded. Whereas like their laborers that had to get their special application from another union member, which becoming a union member takes like 15 years or more, depending. God damn. But like, once you get it, you're set for life. So, and you it's a good job going the whole way through. Like there's nowhere else up here. That's going to pay you $44 an hour during the day to drive a forklift. Jesus Christ. You know, just one of those <laughs> lucky jobs. So yeah. I ended up, I was getting dispatched wrong, just getting dispatched as like an automotive mechanic and stuff. And I was like telling the union, like, no, you guys fucked up. You shouldn't be doing this. And I ended up getting in a fight with one of the high ups and he's telling me like, Hey, you should be lucky. You're even down here, blah, blah, blah. Like you never have a job where you make this kind of money in town. And I was like, oh, really? Is that a fact? Like, <laughs> are you kidding me? And so I ended up, I got a job at Kewitt Construction, and they're doing this big pipeline expansion from the West Coast into the middle of Alberta. It's a pipeline that's already been there since the 50s, but now they're adding two more pipes to it. And it went through a whole legal battle. So it went from costing $4 billion to over $27 billion now. And the government's pulling the note for it. But either way, I ended up there, and that was probably the best job I've ever had in my life. The government's not pulling the note for it. Your fucking paychecks are. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Hey, just a note for everybody out there. I don't care what country you live in. Your government doesn't like you. I'm just kidding. (laughs) They don't care about you. I even have a shirt that says it. (laughs) You wear that shirt every opportunity you get. Proudly. (laughs) Well, as you should. Uh, I have a flag on the back of my shop right now that says, fuck our prime minister. Oh, yeah, I've seen it. 
on your yeah. my goodness. <laughs> people, it, whenever you uh, get or uh, whenever this gets released, you know you'll get your shout out, and that's your uh, that's your picture on Instagram, right? Yeah. Frick that guy. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Uh, that's not just just the road. We don't need to go down now. Yes, trust me, I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll get on my soapbox and won't stop. But you were only there like six months, right? At that place? At Cuit, yeah. Yeah, because like I said, affording a house in Vancouver is basically, if you got $1.8 million, we have a nice broom closet here for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like with a baby, that wasn't going to happen. We didn't want to keep renting this corner unit apartment. They called it a condo, but it was an apartment. And there's a mine right outside of where I grew up. It's been open like 60 years and a lot of my buddies got hired on there. So they're like, well, why don't you throw your hat in there and see what happens? So I threw my hat in there and that's presently where I work now. It's the largest open pit copper mine in Canada. And it consists of two pits, one where the trucks drive themselves. It's called autonomous haul systems. And the other one is conventional. And that's where they have people driving the trucks and you go back and forth between the two all day and you just, take calls i was in the shop for the first five to six months just because i was on two months probation and then i had to really fight to get out into the shop and they you have to learn how to drive one of the haul trucks it's a 793 caterpillar you have to learn how to drive it for two days and two nights like out in the pit conventionally with somebody who drives it all the time 12 hours a day and they didn't want to do that because the old spicy cough was flaring up again and they didn't want two people in the cab (laughs) And I eventually I made enough noise where I said, it doesn't matter. Like we need to learn how to do this because the most I see of those trucks right now is when they idle in the shop or when they back out under idle and then they're gone. So I said, you're asking us to diagnose things that I have no idea how, like, I don't even, you tell me to listen to an engine. I don't even know what I'm listening for unless it's a big bang. And they agreed to that. So then, yeah, I ended up going roving. So I just work out of this Freightliner service truck with a bunch of tools on it and, have a radio on and we'll just say 463 Jason, you need to report to wherever this is. This is the problem. Allegedly. Allegedly. Like you hear a lot of, Oh, it's a coolant leak. Cause the coolant's red. And then it turns out to be a massive fuel leak or something like that. The thermal focal valve is broken. Can you come check it out? What do you, what do they call you there in the pit? Pit Rover. Pit Rover. It's <laughs> awesome. I love that. That's, yeah. I don't. I wish I could make that work in everyday terms because that's pretty great. <laughs> you can just never mind. Never mind. Stop while you're yeah, ahead. Yes, I don't want to get into any <laughs> trouble. So that's that's what that's it. That's you. That's what you're doing now. Yeah, for now. I mean, I've always I've never made it more than five years anywhere because I either get the five year itch and something new needs to happen or. Management becomes a bunch of fuckheads, and it's time to move along. The five-year itch. It's all their fault. I'm starting to feel like this is a common thing in your trade because my husband is notorious for getting bored. Is probably the best way to put it, and thinks that the grass is truly greener on the other side of that pasture fence. Not no more. I'm in the greenest motherfucker there is. Yeah, that's because it's actually watered with quality water. <laughs> and it's got the 100% cow manure. And a little bit of fertilizer. <laughs> um, but I mean, I feel like I see it a lot in this trade where it's like after 
you know, a five-year itch is probably the best way to put it. I mean, where people just get bored and that kind of scares me. <laughs> well, you have to think too, like it's a, it's a trade where people want to advance. They want to learn. They want to be able to do new things. They either want to go in a truck or they want to go to the office or they want to, people have aspirations because mm-hmm. you can, you get beat to fuck doing this. Like there's no two ways about it. Like I got random bruises and cuts all over me. I don't even know where they come from. <laughs> Burned just, all the time. I was just talking about that this morning I, or last night. We were doing something in the garage. I looked down and I had a cut on my hand. I'm like, I don't even know how I do this. I mean, that sounds exactly kind of like with me and the horses though too. Cause what was that the other morning I was doing something, get my hair ready. And you're like, where'd you get that bruise from? I'm like, what bruise are you talking about? And I mean, it was like a massive, like baseball size bruise on the inside of my elbow. And I just kind of looked down at it and I was like, Oh yeah, I don't know. Like I, I can't, I mean, and then as I started to think about it more, I think I whacked it against the saddle horn the night before and you looked at me and you're like, great. People yeah, are going to think I'm yeah. a beating you or something. <laughs> I'm abusive. <laughs> Horses can be the biggest assholes ever. I don't, ever. No comment. He's going to plead yeah. the fifth on that one. My grandparents uh, were Tennessee Walker breeders when they were in their younger years. And they had a bunch of show horses that we weren't allowed to go anywhere near. And then they let us ride them the odd here and there. And I remember one time when I was like two, my sister was four and my younger brother was like maybe one or something like that i don't know we ended all three of us got bucked off and i was unconscious because i was in the middle of it all <laughs> that's but, crazy uh yeah, i don't really have much say, say that again i don't have much time for horses they're just they're bigger than me and that's the end of that they win i like motorcycles and that's what i'm sticking to yeah oh yeah i love motorcycles that was a big thing for a while until i found out about the child coming along and (laughs) harley davidson was gone that was like there'll be another adventure (laughs) that was like our agreement when we got married we jokingly say that in our prenup that we have you know (laughs) that our uh, our mutual our mutual oral prenup that we have (laughs) is that however many horses i own is however many motorcycles he has now granted when we did get married there was only one exception to that rule and it was the old man because well he was old and probably on his way out shortly so we're now at a current even (laughs) one-to-one shut up that's fair. That's a that's a good compromise. But like if you get a pony, then he can get a dirt bike, right? No ponies. We don't do ponies here. They're assholes. I'm just trying. <laughs> just uh, working angles. Let's hit some topics. What do you think? Woman? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, let's do this. All right. So easy right here. Uh, actually, no. First thing, I hear the red seal thing all the time. I know what it is, kind of. I'm I'm think but I want to dive into that. I want to learn more about it, exactly what it is, but you kind of explained it throughout your history deal, but explain. Well, you got two ways of going about getting into a trade up here. You can do it straight out of high school and you can spend the last half or more of grade 12 and you'll do what's called a pre-app pre-apprenticeship. And it's basically, I think they've whittled it down to nine months, but it used to be like 12, 13 months or, sometimes more depending on what trade you're in and that would give you credit towards your first year and like 
I think it was like $1,800. I didn't do that. I was already too old and had too many bills. So I had to get it signed off and I had to do the first year, but you, you have to find a business to get you into an apprenticeship. And then once you're in, you're golden. Like from what Scruff said in Australia, where they're stuck with you for four years, they're not stuck with you up here. Like they, they can send you on the road, but once you've reached the milestones through it, then you're good to go. Like nobody can take that away from you. So they've got four years or it's called four years of technical training. Each year is six weeks and it's supposed to cover different aspects of the trade. Like when I did my commercial transport ticket, the first year was like brakes, air valves, suspension, air systems. The second year was transmissions. They had us completely strip down and rebuild a transmission, work with automatic transmissions, a lot of generic stuff, like nothing's focused towards any dealer in particular. If a dealer's got something and they've like donated equipment to the school, then you can sit there and talk about it. And then third year was electrical and hydraulics, but it was pretty brief because it was all basically truck based. Mm. And then fourth year was a complete engine tear down and overhaul. Well, not overhaul, but rebuild. And you had to get it fire up, fired up at the end of it. And you had six weeks to do it all. So you do four and a half hours theory with homework at the end of the day. And then you do another four hours in the shop. And most companies will pay you to go or you can get what's called student employment insurance and they pay you benefits right away. Like it kicks in right away. There's no waiting period or anything. And you end up going to school for six weeks. And then in fourth year, I think it was eight weeks because we did a week of red seal preparation and your red seal basically entitles you to work anywhere in Canada. You're certified because each province has a different way of going about it. They're not harmonized, but the test is the same for everybody. So once you pass that, then you're just, you're good to go across Canada. And then, like I said, if you have 9,600 hours in a trade that you can verify either through what they call a statutory declaration where you verify your own hours, like you were working for yourself or whatever, and you can, you have a mountain of evidence to prove to back her, your story up, or you can find a magic employer and find 9,600 hours and challenge it. Jesus. That's crazy. I mean, yeah. It's kind of the same as Australia then just a little, little different, I guess. Is, I, I don't know. Little, we, like there's actually a big reciprocal agreement between us and Australia because of the Commonwealth. Yes. We can like, I can go there and I can get sponsored in on what's a four five, seven visa call it. And I can get sponsored into my trade and I think I'm stuck working with the employer for like a year hmm. and then vice versa. Like those guys can come here and they can get their qualifications are recognized right away, or they can choose to use those hours that they've worked in that trade. As long as it's over 9,600, they can challenge the red seal here, which is what a lot of guys do. Like yeah. we, we're overrun by Australians here. <laughs> That's a lot of ski hills. <laughs> a lot of what? They love ski hills. Australians migrate and they come live at ski hills. Like ski hills. I don't know if you've heard of oh, Whistler. Oh, oh, like ski. Okay, all right. I think she's yeah. <laughs> okay. So listen. Well, what were you thinking there? Double Dutch rudder? No, I literally was just trying to figure out like if it was like a. You were trying to say skills, but like in an Australian oh. accent or something. Yeah, no, I no. was trying to figure it out. But I mean, do you blame them? Do you see where they live? Of course, they're fascinated by snow. <laughs> they they have surf there they have <laughs> things it's it's easier for yeah, us to say that since we have surf and snow and all of that where canada is just you know gorgeous and then you look at australia and you're like 
Island. You guys have it's spiders hot. that will eat you. Yeah, spiders that'll eat you. Yeah, 21 out of 25 deadliest creatures yeah. on any given place. No, thank no, you. No, it was interesting because right before I went to Cummins, I like I had my ticket or whatever, and I didn't really give a shit. I kind of was like, well, I'm going to go over there. I'm going to drive those big road trains, you know, like the three trailer trains. Yeah. Because I like looked up the regulations and I found like in the Northern Territory, which is like butt fuck nowhere for Australia, <laughs> Your license while you were on holiday was the equivalent to the license you had back home. So as far as I was concerned, the regulations said I could drive it. And I even like showed that to a few potential employers and they're like, yeah, okay, good enough for me. So I had a job lined up hauling cattle across the outback and fucking thank God it never happened because I'd be dead. We wouldn't be doing this. <laughs> I'd be, there's no way. There's no way I would have survived as an innocent young boy from Canada. I, I've watched a video. I can't remember. It's been such a long time of those guys doing that shit across the, the outback. And it's like every morning I leave work at 530 in the morning and I'm always on the lookout for deer because we live in the country and there's so many deer. Those guys were like on the lookout for kangaroos. And I'm like, no fucking way. And sure shit, this guy plowed a kangaroo and it like ripped the wheels off the freaking trailer. I was like, no shit. <laughs> it's crazy. We got to watch for moose up here. Moose. Are they meese? Moose. Meese. Meese. Meeses. Yeah, you hit a meese and it'll fuck your truck up right now. Oh, I bet. It's like I hitting a fucking it's horse. Fuck more than your truck up. Like. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I take this back road to work, right? I. It takes me about 45 minutes. That's where I listen to all these podcasts because there's no service, no nothing the whole way through. So I wander up through this road, up over the mountain, and then into this other little town, and then I got to turn right, and I go way up the mountain further. Like, where we where we work at, the air pressure for the sensors is 12.5 PSI, not 14.7. Mm-hmm. I, I was all fucked up by that, troubleshooting something one day. And I'm like, well, the sensor's broken. It only says it's 12.5. And the guy's like, yeah, we're 1,500 meters high. And I'm like, Right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that's crazy. Um, yeah, we got that. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. That's the Red Seal in a nutshell, and it's always, like, fascinated me how... And correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding... Oh, oh sorry, there's a train coming. That's all right. Fuck but it. My understanding in America that, like, you can just decide you're a mechanic and basically, like, go to work and do it, and if the boss doesn't like you or thinks you're a fucktard, you're fired. End of story. Yeah. Yeah, I just I did. Can, I don't have an apprenticeship certificate or anything. I just did an apprenticeship. Yeah, which I think is good in some retrospects. But the only thing I like about here is now that I have my red seal, anywhere I go, they have to pay me like a minimum rate. Mm-hmm. There, sorry, I'm gonna go in the front of my house where the train isn't. <laughs> it's okay. Coming by so That's hard. Life, man. This is a life podcast, so. Well, you can't stop the wheels of commerce, I always say. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, no, it, it's, uh, I mean, I, I kind of wish it was like that in certain aspects, but, I mean, my my certificate is, I guess, my 17 years on my resume, you know, my history. That's basically oh, how yeah. it works, you know. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree with that more. Like, I like that idea of it. Like, I was traveling in Nashville one time and ended up driving by this dealer. It was like, needs coming. It's experience right now. Pick your shift, whatever, 40 something bucks an hour American. And I was like, huh, I'll be damned. Like we should be here. <laughs> that, that, that would money would get you pretty far in 
in Tennessee. That's what I was getting from it. Like we were staying at this Airbnb. We were there for the country music awards or whatever. And mm. we're staying at this Airbnb and I'm talking to the owner because we race, you know, like racing dirt bikes and things like that. We just had a bunch of stuff in common. And he's like, oh yeah, I bought this house a couple of years ago for what say like 240. And I'm like, I wish <laughs> like, it's just not like that here at all. He'll die if he finds out how much we paid for our house, but we won't talk about that right now. Would you like no. to know? It's public record. <laughs> <laughs> shit uh let's, let's totally up to you but oh, i don't care we yeah. sit on almost two acres we literally back up to a lake our house is 2800 square feet with a almost 800 square foot garage three bedroom two and a half bath plus a half bath in the too fucking big is what half it is. bath in the garage you literally we just, literally have four bathrooms we have one in the garage and the rest are in the house. Yeah, there you go. Nice. Uh, we paid two fifty nine. Oh, yeah. See, that's why me and my lady are all over that. We're on the lake, too. So, like, we literally launch kayaks in our backyard and go out to the lake. Not right now. Nice. It's a little dry. It's a little dried <laughs> but... out. But... Wait. So, pretty much the exact same thing here, but a little bit less than one acre. And I live a house back from the lake. The lake's pretty big. And I've got a 30 foot by 30 foot shop and three bathrooms in the house, three bedrooms, brand new house. Like it was only three years old. And I did a private sale with a guy and I ended up getting it for just a hair over 800 K. And that's considered a deal. Jesus. Sounds like California. Sorry. Did you say 800 K? Yes. I wanted to make sure I didn't black out there for a second. 800 kilometers. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Kilometers. Uh, kilometros. Kilometros. All right. How about l less life and let's okay, stop yeah, Less life, more work. Here we go. I want to talk about... Squirrel. Uh, I'm Because I'm you want to talk about Canada versus U.S. training. Uh, yeah. Are you talking about just like if you work at a dealership, that type of training or... Okay. Well, no. See, that's what I meant by the difference. Like, like they put us through that whole apprenticeship process mm -hmm. ideally unless you challenge it they put you through the whole apprenticeship process and you you have like the basics of everything or a pretty advanced understanding you have to get 70 percent on this red seal in order to consider it pass anything below a 70 like i scored 69 percent on one of my attempts and that was a fail jesus christ so whereas like from judging by your stories it's basically if you want any extracurricular training you guys either have to get dealer training or you can go to like uti for whatever that's exactly it's like how do you feel about it because it feels like you guys can just hit the ground running and decide you can do it if you want for pretty much any trade whereas like up here you're you're investing four years of your life into it no matter what and the only other thing i like about the investing four years is that it weeds out the week pretty quick yeah so, as you can tell, we had some background noise, and we ended up having to stop, take a break, grab some water, do our thing, and then uh, get back to recording. It's a little tough sometimes uh, when we're doing over-the-phone interviews or FaceTiming like we were and not running into, you know, connectivity issues or something cutting out or background noise. You know the deal. Anyway, I hope you all are uh, enjoying the episode. I mean, I'll just speak personally from a manager's side of it. I 
I really wish that we here in the United States did more of kind of like Australia and Canada have done because I can't tell you how many resumes I've looked at and how many people I've interviewed and they look great on paper. Paper looks great, you know, and you actually sit down and physically have an interview with them and you're just going, oh dear sweet baby Jesus, this is not going to work. And I think that also kind of, I know you had kind of, one of the things you wanted to talk about was like a dealership versus like an independent and stuff like that. So, I mean, we interviewed one guy who looked great on paper, had really good technical knowledge, and I mean, was very smart when you talked to him and interviewed him. And then we asked him one critical question, and it was about rebuilding an engine. Oh, okay. And... He said, well, my dad had taught me, you know, if if certain bearings and, and stuff look good, we just throw them back in. We don't replace them. And I went. Yeah, no, you're fired. Yeah, already. OK, thanks. Uh, no, like I especially for us being a Caterpillar dealership and we do a lot of the rebuild, relife, you know, all that kind of stuff. And all I thought was. Yeah, no, <laughs> like, we're going to send that back out. And if that fails and I found you put that bearing back in, that's my ass, you know, and I, I do, though, I wish I wish the U.S. would probably be more better because I, I, you said it perfectly. It kind of vets these people so you know what you're getting. I'm just not a fan I, you've heard me bitch about it in prior episodes. I'm just not a fan of dealership training. Like what you went oh, through, yeah. what you went through, it sounds like better training. You know, you had your in class plus hands on. Oh yeah, I, I, I did my fair share of dealer training, and it was like you're scratching paint off the wall, and they it was all virtual, right? Like watch a 15 minute video. I actually got in a fight with my branch manager at Cummins about that because he's like, you've watched all the videos. There's no reason why your time should be so slow. Oh, you must. And I was like, oh, so if I watch a two-hour video, I guess I can do your job. (laughs) And that discussion was over. Yeah, I don't... I agree. I struggle. I I understand. I I think training could be done differently and better at the dealership level, especially considering the fact that the dealerships have all this access to stuff that an independent or, you know, the regular Joe Blow is going to have. Dealerships can do better. Now, I will say the dealership I'm currently at blows the John Deere dealership I was at out of the fucking water. I mean, absolutely day and night. The training department that they have is an actual physical fucking training department. And it's not, hi, we hired a couple trainers that are past mechanics and they're half blind and can't fucking park their car, okay? (laughs) My husband's laughing because he knows exactly what I'm talking about. But I love him. He's the nicest guy, but he has literal fucking Coke bottle glasses. I mean... Don't talk shit about my homie. (laughs) So it's just one of those where, you know, when I moved over to Cat and I saw what our cat had in place... I mean, mind-blowing. That's pissed me off a lot before, too. 
And I always questioned, and I was, oh, well, we only have so much of a training budget we can spend. We only have so much of a training budget. And it's like, bullshit. You put yeah. the class on. I'm sorry. You put the class on. Yeah, it's, that's a crock of shit. I'm because sorry. They the make... training budget is yeah. such bullshit to me because honestly, the people who really want to have their company excel and make money, you got to spend fucking money to make money at the end of the fucking day. I mean, whether that's tooling to do your job, training to train that technician, I, I don't care. I mean, that's that's one thing my dad hammered into my head about a business, which is if you want to have a successful business, you're going to have to fucking spend some money at the end of the day. And I, I think it's I think when technicians, this is my own personal opinion, when technicians go to look for a job and they interview at a place. I really want technicians to ask, what's your training department look like? What's your training path look like? What is your, I mean, what is my career path look like here? Because I can't turn wrenches the rest of my life. It's not feasible. And there are so many dealerships that at the end of the day, they're like, you're too valuable to me in a fucking truck. I could care less what you do here as long as you're turning wrenches. And that's horrible. Our, our, our last dealership we worked at, our John Deere dealership, was fucking notorious for that. I mean, I'm going to out you on this. My husband had told them during their one-on-ones that they do to catch up with their technicians, you know, see how they're oh, doing, yeah. you know, the crock of bullshit yeah. review to yeah. sign something off. But, you know, they'd ask him, oh, you know, how do you like it? What would you, What does your future look like here? And, you know, Colton told them, I really would be interested in learning how to become an instructor. So teaching other technicians how to do this job. And I shit you not, that manager laughed in his face and flat out told him, you're too valuable to me in a truck. I'm not going to spend that kind of money. A a big manager, not just a service manager. Not just like a service manager, but a big manager. And I mean, what a fucking kick in the teeth for a technician to hear that... (laughs) I don't give two shits about what you want. You make me too much money in that truck. I mean, I try to tell all of my guys, I support whatever you want to do. If you want to move up within this company, cool. I'm going to help you figure out how to get it done. If you'd like to stay in this role, cool. I'll help you succeed here in this role. But that, I mean, listening to my husband go through that definitely made it for me as a manager I'm never going to tell you you're too valuable to me in a truck. Don't get me wrong. You make a shit ton of money in that truck doing what you're doing most of the time. But I also don't want someone to feel stuck and stagnant because then at that point, they ain't going to make you money. Bored. Well, and that where that's where it comes from, too. Like, I find dealers and these high volume need to crank the workout, this and that. They kind of just pigeonhole you into like whatever you're good at. Like, okay, clutch man, you're doing clutches today. And it's like, if I do one more clutch, I'd rather poke my eyes out with dirty forks than come in here again tomorrow. <laughs> I only really worked a few places where they would team you up with somebody that was knowledgeable or, you know, like give the old guy a young body type of thing. Like whenever I worked with old guys, I was told something pretty valuable right off the hop. And that was if somebody that comes along and knows what they're doing wants to tell you something, and even if you've heard it a hundred times, you say, yes, sir, yes, sir, and you listen to what he has to say because then he's going to come up and tell you more and more things, and he's not going to be worried about thinking, oh, well, I don't want to bother him. I guess I shouldn't tell him this. Like I've worked with a lot of yeah, yeahs and 
oh, well, I already know that. Oh, I'm, I've read the book on that. It's okay. Like, listen to what an old guy has to say because they're you're not investing in hearing how brakes are set the first time. You're investing in the guy's going to come up when you're balls deep in an engine rebuild and you've got no end play in the crank and you're wondering why he's going to be, oh, well, did you try this or try that? You know what I mean? Yeah, and they might have something different that might make it faster, easier, blah, blah, blah. Well, they're going to have something they didn't pick up in the book. Yeah. That's actually, that's pretty genius because I know one of the topics you had mentioned that you wanted to talk about was... You know, the older generation, I'm going to use my HR technology, the older generation versus the newer, younger generation that's currently being pumped out of schools. And it's definitely something that companies, I think, need to realize today is they're about to lose a lot of knowledge, a lot of knowledge you can't get back, like we've talked about before, because it's about to age out. Mm -hmm. and they're not pumping that out like they used to. I mean, most kids are being told they got to go to college, which, sorry, that's a crock of fucking shit. Um, I went to college, and here I am doing a job I probably didn't have to go to college for. So I never had a hope in hell at college, so it just wasn't an option. (laughs) Neither did my husband, so don't feel bad. (laughs) You and I are fucking way too similar. It's creepy. But uh, so kind of bouncing off of this bitching about training thing, let's jump into our next topic. Okay. When do you know it's time to leave an employer? Ooh, good one. Well, you got two options, okay? You got five years or if you're more than miserable for two weeks going there. Five years. Five years. <laughs> We're going to stick with that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean- no, I like with Cummins, I just, I knew like I, my time here has come to an end, like, because I was kind of doing both at the same time, because that's how flexible the docs were. I could kind of do both. And I was just like, I don't want to go to work anymore. Like, I don't want to be there. And the long short, I didn't have benefits or anything because I was just a casual and not a union member. So it was kind of a big jump for me. Like, I didn't have health care or anything anymore. I would have just had, like, universal health care, which is not that great at the grand scheme of things. And... I made the jump and thank God I did, but so actually you gotta, you gotta know, like if you're miserable, why keep going there? And especially in this job market, like yeah. why yeah. put up with it? Yeah, no, that's a good point. Cause I was miserable near my time at John Deere near the end of it there. I was absolutely fucking miserable going to work. Like I found every reason in my brain to try to call in sick. Cause I just, I, fucking hated my job not oh actually hold on let me phrase that correctly I didn't hate my job per se I hated dealing with the fucking people I worked with not my technicians let me make that clear I loved my technicians I thought my technician group was really fucking great I loathed fucking management above me because they made my job fucking miserable and they had completely shot my work life um work and life balance into the fucking ground where I I fucking dreaded Mondays to come. The, the guy that was her boss no longer works there. And Mike, if I ever come across you, dude, you better hope, uh, you you better hope, uh, my knuckles break before your whole face does. Be nice. Anyway, (laughs) 
Side I digress. I hope he listens to this fucking podcast. I hate that guy I'm so sure much. Everyone at that John dealership. Listens. He doesn't even. He doesn't work Mike, there no Mike more. Mike sounds so. like a dick. He did everything in his fucking power to get her fired. Yeah, I no, digress. I, <laughs> yeah, I heard the previous stories. It was, it was similar to me. Like they were doing everything they could to throw the ball at me, just because I wasn't gonna play the rules. I just had enough. Like if you're not advancing me anymore, then what use are we to each other? Yeah. Well, and you know, once you start getting miserable at a job, what good are you? I started getting to the point where I didn't want to go to work. You know, I'm glad to be out of the dealership life. I've said it a million times. I got to the point where I hated going to work. I hated work, you know, dealing with the upper management at my job because it was the same old thing. You know, you go out and bust your ass 70, 80 hours a week and you're still not doing good enough. You know, your percentage rate isn't way up here, even though it's past expectation. And, you know, fuck that shit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're getting a room for improvement speech. It's like, well, what are you doing to help me improve? Oh, well, this conversation oh, well, is over. We put you through all these these uh, trainings. And it's like, bro, I already was doing the shit before you put me through the training. I just yeah. have the certification that says I can do it. Yeah, you guys just did that so that you can get paid now when you submit a ticket for warranty. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Sorry, I, I'm I'm feeling like the anger. I like. I think we should go through therapy on this episode. I'm just kidding. I tried to get you to go to therapy. You refused to go to therapy. So uh, I just. Uh, here we are. I don't know. I, well, it's kind of the way, like, exactly. So you're done. You're done. You're done the mutual deal where you go to work and are happy and perform well and they leave you alone or treat you like a valued employee when that relationship ceased to exist yeah. bye see ya that's why toolboxes have wheels <laughs> that's, why <toolboxes> have wheels. <laughs> I, that's great yeah i i don't know i i don't know if like, i have anything else on this topic <laughs> well one more like little add-on is so working for cuit big multinational you guys know who cuit is oh, obviously yeah yeah couldn't go to work happier every day and they wanted to just throw more and more courses and training at you. Like, like I said in my questionnaire, they let me work on tower cranes. Like, hello, like you got any experience with heights or cranes? I'm like, yeah, kind of told them that I worked on the docks on those big gantry cranes, which are one and not even close to the same. Those big gantries have big walkways around. I'm like, you don't got to wear fall arrest or nothing. You don't got to worry about things falling. Hmm. And then all of a sudden they can, Oh, well, we've got these two tower cranes and everybody else is afraid of heights. So have at her. We'll help you out with anything you need. Here's the lead bear guy's phone number just in case you need to phone him. Don't worry about bills or nothing. Like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hmm. Here's a finning guy. So finning's our caterpillar dealer. Here's a finning guy to follow you around and support you and whatever you need. Like, how can this guy help you? Yeah. And then you build a rapport with those guys and you start learning a lot. Like, that's what I do now when I work with those AHS guys. I work with two finning technologists and two finning base machine guys. And like, you learn so much because these guys want to teach you and talk to you. You're not looking down on them like there's some piece of shit contractor on your union site and they're there making a difference too. So I kind of want to jump back real quick while it's in fresh in my yep. brain. You said something earlier about, uh, you know, union benefits versus what is it called? 
uh, Universal. Oh, when healthcare. I was a casual. Well, when I was being a casual at the Longshore. Yes. Yeah, yes. So did, yeah. does the union have better benefits than uh, your Universal Healthcare? How does how does all that work? Because I thought benefits. I benefits thought benefits were just strictly like again pleading my ignorance here. I truly thought Canada was. It's universal health care. That's what everyone gets. There's not other options, if that makes sense. No. Universal health care is like, so I cut my finger right now and I need stitches and I go to the hospital. I don't see a bill at the end of it. I chop off my hand. I get it taken care of. They might try and reattach it. They might not. You don't know. You're kind of rolling the dice. Um, benefits is like vision, like glasses are paid for eye exams are paid for like nothing's covered under your eyes unless it's actual physical trauma so, so i'm getting poor eyes from something looking at something too bright or whatever sorry that's your problem go get glasses versus if i get metal in my eye then it's a universal healthcare problem hmm. you know what i mean and so like medications like you still have to pay for that shit out of pocket so your benefits cover that huh. if you got good benefits like i've got 80% drug coverage right now when I was at the docks and I was working as a regular workforce, which was classed the same as a union member, I had 100% drug coverage. I had, like, I think now I get 500 bucks a year in eyewear, like glasses. And down there I got a thousand. Um, dent dental is a big one for us. Like dentistry is not covered at all. Like hmm. your teeth could be falling out. And too bad. Sorry about your luck. That's like, that's... if it's an fucking crazy to me i don't understand why that's it should be something very important to your health i listen i didn't choose to be blind and yet i pay stupid fucking money to have contacts and glasses and i think that should be fucking covered because it's not like i made the fucking choice to be blind <laughs> like, well, like <laughs> laser eye surgery for example you can get a company that'll cover like most of it through their benefits plan but like if you're just Joe Blow collecting welfare, you're not getting laser eye surgery. Yeah, that's I regardless. can understand that because that's kind of like a getting a breast implants. That's something that you want to do to your body. Yeah, I'll keep wearing yeah. my contacts. I don't need to have laser eye coverage. Like if I choose to get laser eye surgery done, I'll pay for that. But someone please, someone else please pay for my contacts and classes because that's fucking stupid. And also you can't get both. It's one or the fucking other. That pisses me off. Only fans. Yeah. So I can get glasses and contacts. Like everything's divided up differently and coded differently and billed differently. You guys so, heard it. Colton is starting an OnlyFans. Please subscribe so that I can pay for my contacts and glasses. <laughs> yeah. A fans only. <laughs> fans only. O only yeah, only wrenches. Basically the difference. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I got you. So there's no wrenches here, though. <laughs> so, uh, so hmm, that's weird, man. That so you think through? Well, you know, well that's that's kinda... the common misconception that everybody has is like, oh, well, you've got universal health care. They're just going to do. It's like no, they're not. They're going to maintain my life and like the best that they can, but they're not going to go above and beyond. Yeah. Like one of my big benefit things, like when we had our baby is that we got our own private room because you have to pay extra for that. Otherwise you're in a room with six other ladies who just pumped out a kid. What? Right. And you've got people coming and going. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> Good old uni 
universal health care. Yeah, it's covered, but well, uh, you're going to be miserable through most of it. Yeah. Good God. It's covered, but you might have a prisoner next to you. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> you want to come work in Texas? Uh, Just tell us when and where. So that's the big, that's the big thing up there, up here though, is that we like Canadians want to go down there. Like we understand oh, private healthcare, this and that, but then you see what companies are offering or whatever. And you look at the cost of living, the money that you're making, the way, way, way less taxes that you're paying. And it's like, sign us up. I got a busload ready to go right now. (laughs) So, uh, I guess. I don't know how much different it is there. You, you got a, a topic here. Uh, the differences, you know, between working for a dealer dis- distributor, distributor, there we go. Can't yeah. say it. Yeah. And union versus non-union, which we kind of just covered a little bit. Um, explain. Well, to me, if, if you're working union, you're working with a lot of fucking retards. <laughs> That'll happen a lot. And, their job is protected and it's to me, I don't see very much accountability in that. And I don't see like room to grow because you're not being told when you fucked up or you're not really punished for the things that happened versus like, I worked with a lot of guys that like they came up in logging outfits and shit like that, like not a union to be seen for a hundred miles mm-hmm. and like based on their ability and their work ethic, like, they did a lot. They did a lot of cowboy shit. They got things done. Like they learned a lot along the way. It might not have been the most OSHA approved way along the way, but things happened and they learned a lot. And I think that boils down to a personal decision for everybody. Like now I work union because dollars per hour, it's much higher. Mm-hmm. And with the way things are now, every dollar counts. But like coming up, I was working at the docks union and like, you didn't have to do anything there all day. If you didn't want to, nobody'd say shit to you or what at all, whatever. I'd worked at this other like Joe blow civil contracting company. And you had these kids that like, they're 23, 24 young kids and they just wanted to get after it. So they're tearing apart engines at night and shit. And you're supposed to be like, I was supposed to be kind of a supervisor or whatever. And then by the same token, I've got kids just coming in off the street. Like, yeah, I'm trying to get my pre-app. I'm like, okay, well, whatever. Can you grease that truck? Sure. I've never done it before. Okay. (laughs) So you kind of show them through it once and it doesn't stick with them. I remember one time I was trying to bend back a dump truck door. We're using like an excavator and a piece of pipe, which is like not something you'd ever do in a union shop. You just replace the gate. And this kid's getting right in there telling me to hit it further and further. And he's getting right in there. And I finally just stop. look at it. I'm like, buddy, I don't fucking run this thing for a living. Like I could possibly kill you. You need to stand back. Like, get the hell out of the way. <laughs> like, I, to me, if I was going to impart knowledge on a young kid, I'd be like, go work in some hillbilly outfit for a while. Like, get your stripes, get a few battle scars, and then get out there. And as expectations in life change, wife, kids, house, car, family, whatever, sure, go union if that's what you have to do to make the big pay. And the same, that's what... My plan was always working for like the dealer distributor life was get what you can get and then get out. Yeah. Cause your shit, once your shelf life's up there, your shelf life's up, you're done. 
That I got, now you say shelf life. Now that I'm getting further into this career, and I'm starting to like, gonna be coming out of it soon. I have this. Yeah. Like I, it's almost like being. You know how the cops, like cops and firemen. You know, they're getting ready to retire, and that last six months, they start freaking out because they're like, I'm going to get fucking shot right before I retire, and I'm dead. I have this... Good God. Well, that's that's a real thing. I, I'm sure it is. It just... I've got this... brain didn't process it and how gruesome you were going to go here. Just, I, I, I get it. Truth. I get it. They, they all have that fear, you know, like, ah, you know, six months, I'm retiring, and, like, my fear is I want to get out of the cop car. I want to go back into the jail because I'm probably safer there. I have this fucking fear, like in the next few years, that I'm going to get hurt like really bad or cut a freaking finger off or something. So what you're telling me is I need to up your life insurance this week. Maybe. I don't know. I just have that weird feeling. It's, I don't know if Can if you it's knock just my on brain. some wood totally or valid. something? Like, <laughs> that's totally valid. Like when I was on the rigs and I was there for years and years, that was one of the things that I was like, I need to get out of this. All of a sudden I started having a lot of close calls at like close to the five year mark. And I was like, you don't come back from this after. Yeah. I, so I, I, I've always been safe, but like I was using a chain to pull a track forward with the boom yet yesterday. And I'm just like sitting there like, man, this chain's short, but still it could break, you know? And I'm just like, fuck, it's going to come back. Hit me. <laughs> just stupid shit. You're not giving me a vote of confidence right now. But it's something I've done a trillion times, but just a trillion in one time could get I me. Know, but still it's scaring me right now. Oh, geez. Yeah, I'm just speaking, speaking life. That's a big thing for me. Like if I don't work with heights for a while, I not the first person to put my hand in and go back up there all of a sudden like oh yeah it takes a lot of time to get comfortable and i'm not doing anything big like it'll be lucky if i take a grease gun up chain to me (laughs) yeah we we can have a a wedding day i i personally like i like it once i'm there and like start to have the lay of land i trust everything in process or whatever but if I show up somewhere on day one and oh, yeah, go up there and grease that shiv, blah, blah, blah. Rodney will be in the cab waiting until you're done. It's like, no, 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 no. Rodney needs to leave and a lock needs to go on it right now. <laughs> so uh, different aspects of the trade, you know, uh, forestry, civil. What do you mean? Time Actually, first of all, what do you mean by oil patch? Well, you know, like all the rig moving trucks and like big gas generators and like weird shit that they have coil tubing trucks uh-huh. frack pumps like industrial things yeah just their their niche right like a lot of it's for high pressure pumping or whatever or side booms for pipeline like that sort of thing uh-huh. just things that you find like only there like in forestry right so, you're only going to find a feller buncher in forestry i got you it's just kind of like I, I i got what you're saying so yeah uh Let's talk about, I guess, the different aspects of everything, you know, anything from forestry, construction, ag, oil, whatever. Um, well, to be fair and honest, to be I fair. know exactly zero point nothing about ag other than the guys that have really good troubleshooting skills all the time because they're dealing with so much different moving shit. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. kind of like even watching a round bale happen, to me to this day is still pure fucking magic pfm like yes. pfm <laughs> hay goes in one end and a big fucking round bale comes out the end mm-hmm. 
even square bailing just trips me out because I've worked yeah. on uh, a million square bailers, but I still can't figure out how a machine ties a knot. Like it's it's all there. I know how it works, but the fact that a piece of machine metal can tie a knot in a rope three times, <laughs> yeah, expensive rope it's too. Just, like it it boggles my mind. But uh, yeah, it, ag's ag's cool, man. You know, I was talking to my new coworker yesterday about ag and how many machines I had to work on because they all have you know uh, tremble and stuff and they drive in a straight line well yeah i was talking about how many machines i've had to work on that got wrecked because the operators would fall asleep because he was like i couldn't be we were sitting there just mesmerized by this dozer operator putting a grade on this pad and he's like i couldn't do it i'd fall asleep and i'm like oh well guess how many machines i've worked on because you know these guys run into these big power poles and stuff and just completely wreck green tractors (laughs) so it's, it's yeah and that's what's i don't know it's there's so many different things you could do like say i decided to follow logging with my career like i could be working off the side of vancouver island right now working on a feller buncher that's suspended by a chain down over a grade and he's down there bucking down trees or whatever mm-hmm. like there's so many different things to do like you're not you're never gonna know it all yeah hell no and you're never going to do it all. And that's, to me, like what really draws me in and makes me able to pay attention day after day is you, when you start seeing these new things, like we work on these big front-end loaders that work, these Laternos, and they're electric drive at each wheel. Like it's got a motor at each wheel. You mm-hmm. probably know about them. Yeah. And this is fucking witchcraft here. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah, that I don't know anything about forestry, especially the, the equipment, but these guys on, I know I follow a couple of guys that work for a John Deere dealer here in uh, like Southern East Texas. And they make me want to go freaking work on forestry equipment. Cause it looks so fun. And uh, I'm, it's, I'm sure it's easy to pick up since it's John Deere equipment, you know, it's all the same, but uh, I don't know. It, that's a big thing here is like if you don't have logging experience logging outfits don't generally want you they're coming around now but like if you want to go to like a high dollar logging outfit where they do like the the cable yarding they pick it up with the cables off the side of the trees and they've got millions in specialized inventory like if you're joe blow off the street or you don't really have much to offer them in the way of forestry they're not too interested in you and I think now with the job shortage the way it is, like this is the time to pounce if you want to do something. Like, yeah, I've gotten in through so many doors now just because there isn't a body to walk through the door. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it might not be your best choice, but I'm your only choice, and here I am. That's not even that's not even a joke. <laughs> we uh, there's literally going to be, or there is. Sorry, you didn't hear it, but there is an advertisement for my job at the beginning of this podcast. Um. I, Anyway, so jumping off of what we're just talking about, I want to know your thoughts on working globally. That was one of the big reasons I got into this trade. And I think now having a wife and kids, I'm not too interested unless it's going to involve like a whole family relocation. But like when I was younger, I wanted to go everywhere. Like that was, that was I want the truck and fucking send me. Let's go. <laughs> Like you're seeing lots of ads for this one company and they're talking, Oh, we've got 
we've got opportunity in Alberta, British Columbia, USA, like Texas, Louisiana, Australia, Southeast Asia, like just call it how you want to do it. Mm. And to me, that would be awesome. But I have yet to really find a company that's set up and willing to get you there. Yeah. Oh, oh, he's frozen. He's frozen. He's frozen. No, he's oh, not. He's not go. frozen. He was you thinking. Were. No, no he was like, oh. he was frozen. Oh, I was just waiting for a reply. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, like, what do you think? Like, would you go traveling now or as a young man? Um, uh, I would, but I don't know if I could just because of my children and, you know, being separated from their mother. She's in another state. Um, uh, but if I had the opportunity, kind of like a friend of ours did, he went to Australia and helped get the uh, John Deere dealers going out there. I think that would be something cool to do. Um, it, as long yeah, as it was a, with, huh? I worked with this guy, or I work with him presently. He's on a different crew. And he put together his own service truck, and he somehow got a contract where they would basically lift his truck like with a helicopter and drive it out to different gas compressors along pipelines and he'd do the rebuilds or whatever as a contractor. Hmm. And like, that'd be so awesome. But <laughs> here he is, he's working the same job I am so he can be at home to see his daughters. But another thing that drives my wife nuts is I have no ambition to leave the country unless it was to like Canada or something. Fucking hate it. I have, I, you see all the bad shit going on in the world. Why would I want to go jump right into it? You know, I don't know why people you getting kidnapped that's, and <laughs> yeah, not, that's fair. Like that, that would be a lot of it for me. Like I'm not, I used to work with a geologist on a rig and he went to Columbia for a couple of years and he had to sign a like agreement that if he got kidnapped, there would be no ransom paid. That would be the end of it. Yeah. Fuck that. Mm-mm. Yeah, exactly. Or like guys, uh, I worked with uh, another old guy. He was back as a consultant and he used to work in Mexico. He had two armed guards for security and a translator everywhere he went. Okay, now listen, hold on. Let me preface. I am not asking you to go to the fucking Colombian bush and get killed. Like I'm not, I'm asking you to go to like, let's go because we've never taken a honeymoon. Let's go to like England or Ireland or Scotland. Like the nice parts where I highly doubt you're going to get mugged unless you've got fucking potatoes in Ireland or something like that. If you, whatever he says, Jameson. I will find you and I will kill you. Oh my God, we're no, not going to go take in here. No, I, uh. I really want to take him to the Guinness factory. He loves Guinness and supposedly the Guinness factory is badass. And yet he has like, no, hold on. He has no desire to go because he gets super antsy between here and California every time we fly. Three-hour three flight. I ain't about that. No shit. matter how many times I tell him an international plane is bigger than a mo- do- domestic flight. Like, substantially bigger. You have more leg room. Whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I can see both sides of it. Like, there's parts of the world I definitely don't have an interest in going. I think <laughs> everywhere I've pretty much wanted to see, I've seen. And a two-week visit was good enough. I didn't need to set up shop and have a career there. 
other places that'd be cool. Like the U.S., I definitely want to work in the U.S. just because same but different. Yeah. Well, we yeah, got... you guys have more freedom eagles per inch. Freedom eagles per inch. <laughs> Hell yes. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So you have a uh, a topic that I really want to talk about because I love it. And see this, it's highlighted, babe. Okay. Um, conflict resolution among coworkers and managers. I have never thought of this. I don't know why. I want to talk about it. <laughs> Are you wanting to know my opinion on it? You shoot first. Really, straight from the hip. Shoot I, straight from the hip. I fucking don't know. I mean, I've never... I've had conflicts with coworkers uh, recently in my current job. Fellow no, no longer works there. I don't know how I would have handled it if, like, there was, like, a face-to-face conflict. I mean, basically, I was already ready to tell him, let's take this motherfucker outside of the gate. And I already told my boss I was going to do that shit. And he's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> um, I guess that's the best way to put it is my boss kind of stepped in and said, I'll handle it. I've never had a boss like my current boss now, you know. Um, I've had to deal with HR and the president of the company one time <laughs> in a meeting because I tried to kick some dude's ass. Um, I really don't know. It's just such a good topic. But how do you... How do you well, re- and I feel that given the last 20 years or so, the ability to have a face-to-face and discuss it is pretty much over. Like anywhere I've worked recently, if you do that, you're basically, you're both fired. You're done. Yeah. And, uh, and why is that? I never now all of a sudden you have to bring in each R rep and you guys don't well, actually get to discuss your problem with each other. Like I work with guys where all of a sudden you're having a face-to-face and what's your fucking problem with me anyway? And it's like, I don't really know. I just don't Don't like like you. you. (laughs) And you kind of get over it right there. I, I kind of blew up recently. Um, We had a resident and they all like to fuck with each other. And I don't mind fucking with people at work. You know, it's fun, but there's certain times and certain places to do it. And when people are in the bathroom doing their private business, that's not one of them. And no. they like to fuck with the door and try to open it and stuff. And I was in the bathroom going to the restroom and uh, they fucking got the door open. Well, luckily I was finished and already standing up and they got the door unlocked. And as it was, the handle was op- turning to open the door. I fucking kicked the door trying to hit whoever it was. And I yeah. came out of that bathroom hot as hell and I got right in their face and I was ready to fight the two guys right there I didn't give a shit if I was going to get fired or not and I luckily I was able to walk away and go to the boss and say I need to leave before I get fucking fired and he's like okay here you go you know and sent me on my way and that resident is no longer with us unfortunately because he fucked off too much well, okay, let's ask Madam Wrench. Like, what does she have to do with two techs? <laughs> yeah, she's yeah, she's a supervisor. Yeah, what what like what's what would you, you you basically have to follow a procedure when you deal with it, right? Versus like kind of back in the old days and not like some places and some very few places now, the two guys can actually kind of hash it out. Like, I was gonna say, what would you have done? You don't in really that case? see it anymore. I'm really unconventional, so let me start with that. 
<laughs> um, because I have actually had two technicians about since we moved to Texas. I, I've actually had two technicians about go to brawls right in front of me in my office. Um, and at that point in time, you know, it was, oh God, it was like maybe nine in the morning. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was sitting there and it was me and one other supervisor. I can't remember wherever all the other supervisors were, honestly, but it was me and one other supervisor. And these two techs were smarting off to one another. And one of them took it a little too far. And you know what? It's the same fucking one that I almost beat his ass. <laughs> and, uh, and I had realized he had took it too far when the other technician, who's normally very passive and, and doesn't let much get under his skin, I mean, went to a whole new octave. And I kind of actually stepped back and I sat down on my desk and I I watched. But then I also had the other supervisor who was standing in the room kind of perk up and watch. And he kind of kept looking at me like, do I need to jump in? Do I need to jump in? Because let's be honest here. If I tried to get in the middle of that, I'm leaving with like a broken eye socket or something. Like I, there was no way I was going to be able to physically draw them apart. And, you know, I kept trying to tell the guy, like, just let him go, let him go, let him go. I mean, they realistically calmed down and went their separate ways and kind of let it go. But I grabbed them separately later on that day and talked with them of, all right, what's the issue? Has this been addressed? And are we going to have further issues? Because if not, we need to figure out from there how we're going to get handled. Um, it's so hard because I, I get... I get from the HR side of it why they do the things that they do because realistically it's setting up that company for a legal nightmare um, and the company wants nothing to do with that at the end of the day. And most of the time it seems like the best solution if it can't actually be handled like an adult the best solution is just to eliminate both problems at that point in time and cut your loss because if it's a technician that you've had continuing issues and it's across the board with many different other individuals or just individuals that have problems across the board not just technicians that you have issues like this over and over at some point the the company is going to look at it and go, look, you're not worth the headache. Bye. And Texas is definitely different than a lot of other states. Texas is considered a lone a, star state. Well, not only a lone star state, but a right to work state. So say Colton walks in with a blue shirt and that day I just don't like the shirt he's wearing. I can say, yeah, you're fired. And I don't have to give any justification. I don't have to give any reason for it. I can just say I didn't like the color of his shirt that day. So, bye. Well, you're a bitch. Yeah, so. and he has and he has no recourse um, because it's a right to work state. So <laughs> I I it's such a hard, it's a really situation-based decision, honestly. On, well, on that stuff. Yeah, that's my I think where I was going with it now is I feel that a lot of the bigger outfits are taking away your ability, like as a manager to make that call and see what's what versus like now, if it's a big outfit, like you're both just terminated right away. No way fans or butts. 
no matter who is in the right or the wrong, yeah. or you're going to some fucking anger management fucking course for whatever, how many days that really does nothing except absolve the company of any legal responsibility. I will say that it's not I'm trying to think how to say this. Um, <laughs> it's really not easy to terminate people, especially from a large corporate company. Um, oh. At least from my experience from the two companies I've been with so far, the John Deere dealership that we worked at before, um, I ended up firing a guy for uh, time theft, but I promise you it took an act of fucking Congress to make it happen even though I had beyond documentation to show that it was time theft, I still had to document it for over six months before I could terminate him. And during that six months, I got to watch him steal time on an almost daily basis. Um, is this who I think it is? It is exactly who you the think it is. steals buckets? The steals buckets, steals stuff, resells stuff. Yeah, he he's a fucking idiot. Steals batteries. Yeah, he's a pile of junk. Yeah, he stole. That was the other thing that I had to present to HR. He stole a ton of cores when he was a resident at a job site for batteries and turned them in for credit. And then when the customer was wondering why they weren't getting core credits, we said, uh, what are you talking about? Because we had no idea until the company had brought it up because come to find out when they closed that job up and they were done with it and the residency contract was ended, all these battery cores had miraculously parts. disappeared. Parts. parts. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, disappeared. Parts charged to jobs that weren't put on machines. That I had to end up eating and sending other technicians to go put on after he got shit canned. Yeah, those were fun. Um <laughs> But it's a whole nother story. Though. Whole nother story for a whole nother yeah. day. But I mean, realistically, it's not easy to fire anyone nowadays. At least here in the U.S., it's not. It's probably both the same or harder up here. Like, there's guys that they fuck off, end up having to go to rehab or whatever, and they still come back and get their job because it's a health condition. <laughs> like things like that, but. I don't know, like, I think, especially if you've got a bunch of guys working together, like, you got to figure out the pecking order kind of one way or another. And I think if you just have this broad set of rules, like, it's not going to get figured out, and it kind of just gives you everybody a way to poke at each other a little bit more. But that being said, you also, at this age, you should be able to be somewhat of a professional, like... I definitely don't start near as many arguments as I used to. I mean, but that's just the, coming with age. The key word is at this age and somewhat as a professional. Because, I mean, there are some people who... I think there are some people who notoriously just enjoy pushing that line to see how far they can get. I mean, yeah. <laughs> just... Just because of the fact that that's who they are, that's who their character is, and no one corrected it when they were younger. And they got daddy issues. Well, not just <laughs> not just that, but I mean, realistically, the older generation is a lot more respectful. 
is a lot more collected. And I promise you, they'll give you an earful when they're when they've hit their limit and they just need to vent. But the the older generation is keep your nose down and just fucking work. I know, Don't but worry that's also because the they've guy. had the shit beat out of them growing yeah. up. Yeah. I mean, we haven't we haven't disciplined children enough nowadays that everyone has the entitlement factor and everyone thinks everything's guaranteed to them and it's the change in circumstances. So yeah. Mm. yeah well, you can tie that into another one of my questions or statements there about look how uh, I did that there. <laughs> young yeah. Well with younger kids and I don't know. It's it's a delicate subject. Women. The younger kids irritate me, oh. but uh, I like I'm a hundred percent like don't get me wrong, and that's what I was worried about. The way that worded is that I don't support women in the workplace. Like we've oh, got tons of women in the workplace up here, but that's... I worked with some when I was an apprentice that like they hardly had any tools, and they like, oh well, can you come over here and take this tire off for me? Can you put this starter in for me? Like, can you basically just do the job for me? And it's like, no, no, no. You're not getting any sympathy for me. I've got six sisters. Like, figure it out. You want to do this? Figure it out. Yeah, a lot of other guys wouldn't. You don't have to be, you don't have to watch your mouth with that because we do have a lot of female technicians that get pissed about the same thing that you're talking about. And they've voiced it on here. But yeah, if if you can't do the job, don't fucking do it. And that's male, female, horse, you name it. I, that's, yeah, I think... Well, like a big thing for me when I was working with this work experience girl at Cummins and she was like five foot nothing <laughs> and she's got to help me do this in frame. And like everybody's gotten over like, oh, there's a girl in the workplace. There's a girl in the workplace. They've all gotten over that. And so we're all just we're chatting and bullshitting or whatever. And I'm like, are you like serious about this? Or are you just doing this because it was an easy opportunity in front of you? It's like, no, no, I really want to do this. And I'm like, well, how are you going to do it? Like you weigh 90 pounds. Like what's your plan here? <laughs> and I was like, okay, you rebuild the turbo side of this engine. Like, just go, just do it. We're going to start it torquing down the head. And like, she's got her feet up on the radiator trying to get leverage to fucking hit 300 pounds. And she's like, oh, God. like, can you do it? And I'm like, no, like, you need to figure out a way. Like, this is what you're going to be doing. And sure enough, she gets her, but then the same thing. So she goes to lift the turbo up into the exhaust manifold and she just can't get it up there. And I was like, okay, see, like, this is where you need to think about your disadvantages and turn them into advantages. I'm like, I will hold the turbo exactly where it is. Will you go get a milk crate or a stool or something to stand on? And that's what I did. I just reached around and like held the turbo exactly where she left it. And then she had to go get a milk crate, came back and then she'd get it in there. And I was like, these are the things that I just, I want to point out to you. Like, this isn't an easy job. You can't like, it's not the, and it's not that she ever did, but it's, you can't just be like, Oh, Hey buddy over there. Can you come do this for me? Like, apprentice that did that at the truck shop like that drove me up the wall like i think it was all about like two tries and i was like nope fuck off you're on your own yeah no i i i completely agree with that i mean even in my even in my role i come across people that literally <laughs> i think of how to put this nicely so i don't get myself well, fired or an hr on monday or tuesday yeah. i've got a don't fucking dumb fuck don't, oh <laughs> in in a different department who I don't know how he got the job. I don't know how he does the job because I'm constantly fixing things for him. And no matter how many times I've shown him 
And it, it's purely just because of the fact that most of the time he's asking me stuff that has to do with one of my bigger clients. And I don't want to have to fix this fuck up when it comes back after the head of that company gets it and goes, the fuck is going on here? Oh, that was the end of your rant? That's it. That's oh, okay. the end of my rant. I kept it sweet, short, and done with that. I, I, well, I was just going to go off of what he was saying. Like, I just did a starter in a 349 cat recently, and that motherfucker was heavy. And I don't know how some people will do that, because that was like lifting a five-horse. I mean, a five-horse Briggs of Stratton is lighter than that motherfucker. So if you can't lift 80 pounds or 100 pounds over your head, you're fucked. I don't know. Exactly. And that's that's the kind of thing that drives me up the wall with these young kids too now. It's like they'll try it once and uh, or whatever. Like they just, they're not interested, but they're there through whatever virtues of the system. They're able to be there. And I think that kind of ties back into the conflict resolution part of it is like now in today's workplace, you're not allowed to be like, hey, fuck face. <laughs> pull the let out like let's fucking get her done here you're you're not allowed to do that anymore it's because we've coddled these fucking kids and they cry wolf and mommy and daddy come and save them sorry that's my thoughts on that well and if we're going to be as so bold of the truth i can't disagree (laughs) I, i mean purely that's that's what it is of the instead of falling and picking yourself back up and trying again it's well okay damn didn't work out mom Dad, I'm going to go sit down me. for the rest of the night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think being, it's like sad to say now that I'm like somewhat more of a senior tech cause I still feel so young, but like you get a kid that'll actually like put out or whatever. And like, I'll go upstairs and say something to the boss. Like, Hey, you need to do something for this kid. You need to like give him some good jobs. You need to get him the experience that he needs. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think that goes. It. Yeah. Reward, reward the good work reward i mean we interviewed a young kid not that long ago i mean young well-driven smart kid who didn't take no for an answer and was dedicated to be in this role and you don't you don't see that anymore you really don't no like very rarely well that's just i don't know but everywhere is having that problem and it's like, okay, well, why aren't we looking at the root cause of this problem instead of just, oh, well, go do it for him. Like, it's always like a quick Band-Aid fix. There's no adjusting the root of it. Like, there's no talking to the kid after, like, hey, you know, maybe you need to, like, work out, do something. If this is the trade that you want to do. Like, I had a few of those talks when I was first starting out. It was mostly from one of the truck shop managers and it was like about little fuck ups. But the fact that he even said that to me, it made me angry at the time. Like, fuck you, you're a fucking idiot. But <laughs> like looking back on it now, it gave me that determination to continue on. Like nobody's going to tell me I can't do this. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like we're just saying, well, you can't do it, but that's okay. Just occupy that here's, spot anyway. Here's your yeah. participation golden star for the day. No one gets. Would you like us to put it on you in your safe room? <laughs> uh, no one gets participation trophies in this family. Absolutely fucking not. I call oh, me heartless. Yeah. Call me heartless. I'm glad well, you know. Noah's not the most athletic child because <laughs> I don't believe in that. Mm-mm. 
just because you showed up and played, that was what you committed yourself to. No. Exactly. Nobody gives you a participation ribbon for showing up at work on time. I don't get a check at a barrel race just because I showed up. I mean, it'd make my life a hell of a lot easier, but if I'm not doing good. Well, no. What else? What else did I got there? Uh, you got a lot of shit, but one thing that you don't have, and I am super appreciative of, is anything about tools. Well, because we're not going to talk about tools. We ain't talking tools. That's my new slogan, by the way. That's going on a shirt. Good. Uh, I'll buy that shirt. <laughs> we're not talking tools today. Nope, not even a little bit. Uh, Other I, than get to know a fucking laptop if you're going to do this. <laughs> you've got that's a few. It, that's you've got, all. You've got quite a few things. You know, you got questions for me, but I mean, we don't have to get into that. We are. Uh, we're at quite quite a high time almost two hours <laughs> almost two hours of bullshit it's a record it's a record almost <laughs> i think i hit two hours with uh mr ravenlock um oh yeah but that guy he could ramble he could talk the socks <laughs> off a nun in church <laughs> talk to so- oh my god that's great isn't so, he from utah too mm-hmm. that's even better <laughs> that's another similarity i have with him that's the religion i was raised in really well i don't think he's yeah, raised I didn't want nothing to do with it yeah, oh. I, don't th- I don't think he's raised Mormon. I don't think he's even, even... No, I want nothing to do with it growing up, but that's why yeah. I have such a massive family. That's uh, that's one thing I don't like to get into either is religion. <laughs> no, not even a little bit. Other than growing up, it was funny, but no, I don't know. I was just, I don't know. I think I would end it out if we're going to end it out because it's getting late. In both time zones is yeah, it's, you got to uh, want it. You got to listen to people and you got to take care of yourself along the way too. Yes, sir. Um, by the way, I, to answer your question about starting the podcast, uh, why did it, or how, how I got the idea to do it? It was, uh, I have no idea. I just wanted to do it. I thought I liked to talk. Well, <laughs> that's what was funny though right that's how i found you i was just listening to build it and i was getting tired of it but that's all i really had to listen to like about construction and then he had the odd mechanic on there or whatever so i started typing to uh, spotify like wrench diesel like just tags and certified wrench pops up i was like huh well that's this crazy. looks good that's oh, crazy. i'm gonna get into this that's yeah crazy. and i just started listening i think you only had like maybe six or seven episodes out so like I binge listened to those like ASAP right away and was looking for more. And that's how, because of you is how I started listening to sweat and grind. Like I never heard of them before. Yeah. I, it, unfortunately I used to be in the top 100 with this podcast on Spotify and or iTunes, one or the other. And since I've been slacking so much lately, I need to stop, but, uh, I don't, I have fallen out of the top 100. Unfortunately, that, that was crazy though. You know, this, this podcast is only nine months old and we were already making it into the top 100. So, well, I think it's a good idea and it's a way to voice to the new generation, the shit that you're actually going to run into versus what the brochure says at the hiring fair. It's pretty cool. I mean, I get guys from all over basically the United States right now, but I've uh, you know, guys coming out of high school that are going into apprenticeship programs or, you know, going to John Deere programs or anything like that. And they're like, you know, if I do this, 
and I finish it, is this, uh, can I do this with this career or blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, sure. You know, it, it's kind of cool. You know, young guys are wanting to know my thoughts, first of all, or I got old guys, you know, that message me and like, I'm thinking about changing careers and what is your thought process? I'm like, I'm just a dude that's a mechanic trying to talk on podcasts. You know, why are you asking me? <laughs> it's crazy. But it opens up a lot of windows for you to talk to other people and listen. And then if you choose to correspond with listeners, you have that much more of an open door. You don't have just one narrow mind. And I think that's what's really valuable about this and why like, I wanted to add my two cents to it is where you're going to, you're going to get it out there. Cause like, you can't take your kid to work today anymore. Like you can't show your kid, you can't take your kid to work. You can maybe show them pictures. That's definitely not the same. Only on Saturdays. But, no, I'm just kidding. I, I, I'm pretty lucky with my kid. I mean, he's so he's 12 and he just wants to know how everything works. Like I was at his age. And he's insanely smart. Like he already knows the shift pattern and, and like my Ford, because I have five speed. And he's got me beat. <laughs> he already knows how to drive it. It's crazy. And he's asking me today how a clutch works and stuff. I'm just like, Jesus Christ, you're me. But uh, yeah, I get contacted by a lot of people, you know, via the podcast. And I try my damnedest to respond to everybody. Um, at least I respond. Um, I was going to dig somebody that you uh, were just talking about, but I'm not going to. Uh, he still hasn't replied to my Instagram message. <laughs> if it's the person I'm thinking you're talking about. He's Mr. Big now because he has a YouTube channel and his podcast. See, that's and, funny though. He, um, he replied to me when he wanted to learn or he wanted to recommendations of places to visit when he was doing his Fort McMurray tour. Mm -hmm. But like, it was quick, like, oh, well can you put me in contact with somebody to get on site or whatever? And I was like, no, it's the people Man, I'm just suggesting yeah, things like those are the, I hate those fucking people. It's the, you're only important to me when you're convenient and I need something of you. They fucking piss me off. Even though he wasn't shit. Uh, I don't even want to get into it, but yeah, a of, I, well, a lot of to people, be fair, like his first few podcasts, I was like, what an arrogant little fucking puke. Yeah. And I feel like he's gotten a little bit better, but I also think like, outside of a business perspective and like offering a business-minded solution to the present workforce problems like he doesn't really have anything valuable to say and i think that's where like a podcast like yours is important in getting that out there like what do the people on the floor in the truck actually care about yeah and i try Not to connect the fucking with executive and i hope i'm saying everything they want to hear and if anybody has any suggestions or topics or whatever contact you well, it's not even a matter of saying what people need want to hear it's what they need to hear <laughs> like trust me i have a few topics i've come up with in the past week and a half i guess but uh they're gonna be very touchy and uh, i gotta well, find the right folks to talk about them with i mean I'm, i probably could have talked to you about it but I, we're running out of time so i was gonna say i think yeah. uh it's uh, 10 o'clock or 10 o'clock and I've already had the kid text message me once asking when we were going to be done. <laughs> <laughs> I, really, I, I appreciate it because I know you guys had a long day. I know you're two hours ahead. Like, and we, you, you just let me ramble, which uh, is pretty say, good. The, the nervousness was gone. The yeah. dog's sitting outside of the door here whining every once in a while. And I'm sure our, our foster dog is sitting out in the kennel going, these fucks, what the hell is going oh, yeah, on? No. 
my wife's already looked at me a few times. Like, he's still out there. He's still what are you out there. Still doing, yeah. Bitch, I'm about to be famous. Yeah. So <laughs> let's, let's let's wrap this up, yes, boys. We're gonna wrap this up. Yeah. I'm not gonna go through the whole spiel. Um, you guys know where to get a hold of me. You guys know where to find me. Uh, I am currently what. Do not forget about the 2K giveaway, y'all. Yes, and I should have explained a little better on Instagram, but we got to get to 2,000 followers before I end this thing, or close. Uh, 2,000, come on. 2, Hold oh, them okay. to it. Commitment here. And your boy is looking for sponsorships. So if you're interested in advertising your company or whatever, or if you just want to give me some money because you're nice. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we all wish. Um, anyway, Jason, it was a pleasure talking to you. It was fun to get to know you and, uh, thank just you chat. for being our first Canadian. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was an honor and thank you. And I'm I, glad you gave me the honor. I, uh, I got your participation trophy here. Um, oh, it's not first. If you're not first, <laughs> you're last. <laughs> Ricky Bobby. Ricky Bobby. Hashtag. Uh, but yeah, uh, appreciate you coming on man and uh hope everybody enjoys the episode anything else babe it's time for bed you good i'm good hopefully if we have any more sensitive topics to discuss in the future you invite me back for an uncensored two bits (laughs) yeah man well it was fun and uh you guys until next time we will uh maybe talk to you soon i don't know (laughs) I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> See you guys. Night all. Night all? Yeah, I mean, goodbye. Whatever. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs>